you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and you're joining me right now for Wednesdays with Will. We have a great show uh, lined up for today. I have two guests. Uh, it's going to be some great content. But but first, I want to read something from the book of Psalm. Uh, Psalms chapter uh, 103. Uh, today, at home, we were talking to our kids about knowing God. Uh, we, Miki was reading through a book by uh, J.I. Packer, uh, Knowing God, and, and it's, she's been taking a chapter. She's going to uh, be taking a chapter uh, a day, really, to go through some of what he had to say in, in his book. And just the, the, the thing about knowing God, you know, there's something, be, there's something to say about truly knowing his ways, knowing how what God, you know, wants from us, knowing uh, what he demands from us or knowing just who he is. There's a lot of people who know who God is, like as far as, you know, head knowledge. But for those of us who uh, desire to know him in a deeper way, uh, there's a deeper way that we can know him. And in Psalm chapter 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems you, redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. In verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts, to the sons of Israel. That's a very um, powerful verse right there. I'm going to come back to it. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, uh, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us, just as the father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust as for man. His days are like grass as a flower of the field. So he flourishes when the wind has passed over it. It is no more and its place acknowledges it no longer. For the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and the righteous, the children's children. To those who who keep his covenant and remember his precepts uh, to do them, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, 
you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And back in verse 7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of, of Israel. There's one thing to know the acts of God. There's one thing to know, that, see the things that he does and, and understand that. But there's another thing to, to know his ways. You know, what does he want? And Moses was acquainted with knowing the ways of God. And I want to encourage you uh, today uh, for this brief moment to get to know God to get to know his ways, to study his word, to look into his word. As we look into his word, he reveals who he is um, to us. And, 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 and our understanding is enlarging, and enlarging by the, the words that we read through the, through the scripture. Let's not just be content with seeing the things around us, knowing his acts, but let's know his ways. If Moses, a man just like us, was able to be acquainted with the Lord, to know his ways, we can as well. So I just want to encourage you. That's Psalms chapter uh, 103. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. That's Psalm 103, verse 7. But today I want to talk about a, a very special project. It's something that we did uh, a few years back, and it has been revived. <laughs> and I have my uh, brother here, Brother Wesley Wildman. He's going to talk to us about the Men of Honor program that we have going here at AFA. Uh, man, Wesley, good to have you here, man. I am glad to be on, and I know we. I want to talk about it, and I can go as quick or as short, or I can go as short or as long as you want with your program lineup for today. But before we do, I'd like to comment on what you were just talking about—the yeah. importance of the scriptures, because it not only provides salvation for us, but it also, in addition to that, for us Christians, it also helps us navigate life, mm. navigate marriage and our family, and that's why. Jesus took the time to say in John 10, 10, that he not only came to bring us life, but to give us life more abundantly. And so uh, I know that for me as a Christian, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have his written word. Amen. Amen. We (laughs) need it. We need it for sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, getting the program started that way. Uh, And also thank you for allowing me to come on for a couple minutes to talk about a project I'm doing that I know uh, was a a seed that you planted a while back and now AFA's taken on and I've Try to help keep it going. Mm-hmm. I spent, before I get into what I'm talking about, I've spent 12 years now uh, working in some capacity and on my summer breaks, uh, which is no break anymore. I got two <laughs> kids and one on the way. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Your face was like, you get a break? No. <laughs> uh, but um, but I spend my summer times working with young men without dads. Yeah. And I've done that off and on uh, in some capacity for over 12 years now. So, there's this project that AFA's doing. Mm-hmm. We did it last year, uh, and this is our second annual year to do this, um, and it's called Men of Honor. I've been on the uh, AFR throughout the day, so some of y'all who listen throughout the day may have heard about it, but Men of Honor is a program, a summer program that AFA is doing locally to help young men without dads, to mentor them, to first teach them the Word of God, number two, build relationships with them that they don't that they wouldn't have otherwise with godly men, mm-hmm. um, and then three, teach them life skills that would be of value to them as they grow up, from filling out a job resume yeah. to um, how to fish. That's important, okay? <laughs> There's some value in this, okay? There's some life skills there. Uh, but also how to cook, mm. how to um, how etiquette, 
Yeah. Um, how to f- I mentioned job resume. There's a there's a list of a couple other things that come Work to mind. Work on cars, change the tires. That's right. There you go. A uh, car maintenance. Yeah. You know, so how to jump off a car, how yeah. to uh, change a tire, things like that. There's a long list of things that we're. Well, we also teach had them. a uh, police yeah. officer come. Yeah, we we had a highway patrolman who's highway a friend patrolman. of mine. Uh, this year we're gonna have a, de- a detective. Come, okay. But last year we had a uh, highway patrolman. They come. They teach us, you know, if you if you come up on a traffic stop, you know, on the, just things and like like he, he he one of the things he taught was look if you see a traffic stop on the highway, do the best you can to get over in the other lane because it really yeah. makes that officer nervous. Yeah. When cars are whipping by and of no consideration, so right. just be mindful of small things like that. So, right. um, yeah, awesome stuff. So the dates for this is, ju- is uh, June eighth through July twenty seventh. That's correct. June eighth through July twenty seventh. Okay. We've got all. We've got tons of volunteers. We've got a lot of young men signed up. We've at this point we've doubled the amount of young men signed up than we had last year. Really? So yeah. So we're we're making progress. We're excited about that. And again, some of y'all are wondering. Well, I'm in Texas. I'm right, in Virginia. Right. What what does this have to do with me? Well, the reason I got on here and we didn't just keep this information locals for two reasons. One, last year we ended up having a, a group of young men. Their granddad's bringing them. They drove a little over an hour away. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, look, northeast Mississippi is kind of the grounds now for this. Mm-hmm. So if you want to drive uh, to be a part of this event, you can go check out afa.net slash men of honor. Mm-hmm. afa.net slash men of honor. If you're within driving distance, you want to come, we want you there. And number two, I'm encouraging you. While I think this is very important, and I'm really I'm really proud of the, the men that's come along me to help me do this, and I appreciate you planting the seed years ago. Well, I'm really proud of it. I don't want to keep it to myself. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of there's a, there's a huge need for this, in our in America. That's right. Uh, for for godly men to stand up and to uh, make a difference. And I understand. I've tried to meet people in the middle here. Okay, you got the group of Christians who are active. They got things every day, every week. They got a full schedule. Right. And they're booked right. up for you know the rest of the year. I get that. Yeah. I'm I'm borderlining that. Okay. I'm a yeah. baseball coach. <laughs> I'm a deacon. Like I yeah. got a list too. Um, but also, you know, you got some that if you didn't have somebody organizing anything, they would just sit back and just dream or or yeah. wish that or wish somebody would. Yeah. So I'm trying to meet people in the middle. And so I thought once a week for two months during the summer, uh, come together for almost you know, an hour and a half or two and, and accomplish these things is very doable. Yeah. So I want to encourage those that, that live in Texas, that live in Iowa or a different state, that this is not practical for them to come to this summer because of the distance. I'm encouraging you to do it yourself and my wife has been on me about putting this together in a curriculum and after the emails i've gotten today from our listening audience i'm going to do that yeah. it won't be available tomorrow this <laughs> or you know in the next couple of months i am going to do that before next summer nonetheless i will send you the the outline which is what people are asking for what this would look like just kind of the template and i'll send That's you that good. if you email me at wildman at afa.net That's w wildman at afa.net i'll send you what i got this for and it'll be more fancy next year (laughs) so what were some of the highlights from last year that something some things that stuck out to you is like man this was really cool yes we had three or four boys take notes from the bible lesson Mm -hmm. and from the life skills and just nuggets that they took along the way yeah they took notes in a on a way that was I was surprised yeah. at the detail in which they were listening to, yeah, yeah. which which also goes to, I'm constantly reminded of this, even though I know this, but children are extremely impressionable. 
and I don't care if you think they're not listening. Mm-hmm. There's something in there where they don't think they don't even know they're listening. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, but they're listening. Yeah, and they're paying attention. Yeah. Um. And so it's it's it, it reminded me that much more important as our role as godly men, how to influence not just our children that right. we're responsible for, but when I have an opportunity like this or at nursery or at youth group or whatever. Whatever the case may be, we have to influence. Y'all talk about this all the time in y'all's program, and I appreciate that y'all do this. But y'all, we have to be intentional about teaching the ch- teaching our children and other children the truth of the Bible and the yeah. truth about the gospel, about salvation, Amen. and how that impacts all of our lives. And that's what we do here at Men of Honor with young men who likely in other cases wouldn't be able to get this type of mentorship from godly men in their lives. Let me answer two questions, two yeah. most common questions. One is, well, my son's six, my son's 18, you know, because mm-hmm. their age range we, we we found best is seven to 17. Well, I always make exceptions. You know, if they call me and they and they have, you know, a situation, right. we'll right. work we'll work with it. Number two, people will often ask, well, is this only for the fatherless? Is it only because there's different reasons why people father this. Mm-hmm. There's two boys coming this year whose dad passed away. Yeah. Uh, otherwise would have been there. So – um, it's not always a negative sense. Nonetheless, can they come if they if they? What about the ones that have dads? Mm-hmm. And I say, you know what? Always, you know, this is for them too. The emphasis is to be uh, fill a hole mm-hmm. that that shouldn't be there. But what I found and what what impressed me the most and made me the most excited, the couple of guys that had young men, or the couple of young men who had good dads that was interested in them coming. Most of the time, they brought them and stayed with them through the whole through the, through the course, yeah. and that was even more special because they didn't just drop them off as if it was a, you know, a camp or whatever. They yeah. they, they did it with them. So I, t- I tell you what, my yeah. son JD came with yeah. me each time, and he loved it. Yeah, and so yeah, he, he, we've he, added some new stuff this year, so okay. he'll like it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so so uh, if you got a if you if you got a young son. Bring them, and we love to have you as well. So that website where they can get more information is? AFA.net slash Men of Honor. I'm telling you, it's a great program. I was a part of it last year, uh, and it's going to be even bigger and better this time. So if you uh, wanna, want more information about that, just go to that website. Yes. You won't regret it. So. And thank, thank you for having me on. No, thank you for yeah, being on. I enjoyed man. it. This is Aaron Addison's Wednesdays with Will. We'll be right back. could say more to you Cause God don't seem as close as you want to Please remember however he can No This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and I have a special guest in the studio today. I had to ask him, I was like, man, what's your title? Because he's a friend. Yeah. And sometimes when you, you know, when you have friends, you don't think about titles. And so, but he, I will give his title because uh, it's well-deserved. 
president of Personhood Alliance and the founder of Personhood Mississippi. I have Les Riley in studio with me. And I want to say, Les, I consider you a type of mentor in this pro-life thing, man. Like uh, we've had some great conversations, you know, just about uh, pro-life issues, uh, how we should view it biblically speaking, because there, there can be pro-life stances that are not right. <laughs> biblical. And uh, you, you caused me to think, uh, you caused me to, to take some things and go home to Miki and say, this is, listen to what Les said about this, you know. And uh, it's just been a, a great help for me personally. So thank you for being here. Well, well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, man. Pleasure is mine. And uh, we want to talk today about uh, the Supreme Court. They're going to hear a challenge to Roe versus Wade. Now, and it's based upon a Mississippi uh, 15-week ban. Right. And so, but it has, this can have implications, you know, nationwide. Right. And so we've talked a lot about these issues and it seems that like there's always some caveats or right. some something in there that's not all the way abolitionist type. Right, right. How do you feel about uh, this particular? Well, case? I, I, I mean, I think I think a lot of uh, a lot of pro-lifers are really encouraged and hopeful mm-hmm. um, with the what the outcome of this would be. Uh, before we talk about the specific legislation, though, mm-hmm. I mean, just one thing we have to consider: there's three possible outcomes on this case going before the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there's a lot of nuances within each one of those. Um, but either a, the court could overturn Roe or B, the court could uphold Roe or mm. C the more likely scenario, which, um, uh, or what I think is the more likely scenario. None of us, I'm not a prophet or the son <laughs> of a prophet, but I think the more likely scenario is what happened with Casey versus Planned Parenthood. They could uphold Roe essentially but allow the states to have more leeway on regulating abortion, banning abortion up to a certain time. Mm. But interestingly enough, whatever the outcome, uh, there's a lot of potential consequences. There's a lot of potential opportunities, a lot of potential problems. Um, And so whatever the court does, there's going to be reaction and response (laughs) from the federal government, from the states, et cetera, and, and most importantly from the church. And so, you know, I think the first um, thing we have to consider is that, uh, uh, and possibly even as a preemptive strike, because a, a number of states has already stepped in mm. and passed basically right to abortion laws, laws that go further than Roe, um, in anticipation that Roe would be overturned. Yeah. So, um, and then, the, uh, and I was just, uh, that's what I was looking at when we got on the air. I was trying to find the story. Um, last Wednesday, Two Democratic senators and four Democratic congressmen introduced, I think it's called the Women's Health Protection Act, which would codify a federal right to abortion mm. um, in all 50 states. Wow. And, and it would go so far as to prevent states from regulating, prevent ultrasounds. Every regulation that has been won through the years, it would overturn. So, um, so there's a lot of potential outcomes for this. Um, so, but, what, so with the potential outcomes... In your estimation, is this a good thing that is coming up? Because if they decide that they're going to uphold, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade, like, does that hurt anything? Well, I, I think I think it could be a it it could have some good outcomes mm-hmm. theoretically, but the problem is I, I think the trouble in the meantime and and even after is I think by and large it's a distraction as well because mm-hmm. you know you hear oh Roe versus Wade is being taken up and right. you know people think well well I voted for Trump and we got the Republican nominees and yeah. you know abortions going away well well what's going to happen is 
for one thing, it's not. It's going to be next year before the court rules on this. That's right. So every day for the next year, thousands and thousands of babies are going to be killed yeah. in communities all over this country. Yeah. And so you know, we still need to take responsibility. And in in the event, even if even if Roe is overturned by this, it will still go back to the states, and will have to be fought in every state one at a time, every community one at a time. So so our responsibility, regardless of what the court does is not to look to Washington because God doesn't tell us to defend the cause of the fatherless by going to voting once every four years. Mm-hmm. God calls us to defend the cause of the fatherless, to, to speak for those who can't speak for themselves, to cry out for the helpless. 365, that's yeah. the church's yeah. job. The church has to repent. Yeah. The church has to step in and do the work at the most local level if we're going to see abortion. Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts just on the uh, Mississippi ban, the fifteen week, like what? well, I, well, I, I think I think all pro life laws, when we look at them, we always have to ask about the principle and the and the practical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the principle here is, and this why I'm doubtful that this will completely overturn Roe, is that at at fifteen weeks, you can't do an abortion in Mississippi according to this law unless there's severe fetal deformity or some other kind of medical. So you've already got exceptions. You know, um, in England, uh, they passed a law, and it, it was something to do with mental health. Mm-hmm. You can have, Well, all of a sudden, mental health is a reason from abortion went from 1% to like 90. Hmm. So, you know, there's a lots of exceptions you can drive a truck through. But even if it's ironclad, yeah. and even if you say, well, you know, if, if a baby's fetally deformed, we're going to say you can murder it, and we want to accept that that's a pro-life position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though that image bearer is no more imperfect than you and I, yeah, he just had different imperfections. What the question becomes on the principal standpoint is for the first 104 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes. Yeah. If that's not a human being, right. What is it? What, what magically happens? Some would say less you're being radical because at least there's a ban at some point. So is can we look at that and say, well, it's something? Because there's a lot of well, states well, that are yeah, picking and, these and, I, and that's what I say. I, I would say that from a from a principle standpoint, yeah. um, Howard Phillips said, once you sacrifice the principle, you always lose the argument on the details. Mm. So from a principle standpoint, I have concerns about it. But from a practical standpoint, I, I, I think it's not going to save near the number of babies we think it's going to save. Mm. And it could be counterproductive because it could cause this you know, cause reaction in states, cause reaction by the federal government, or even cause Christians to say, oh, well, we won. Yeah, um, it just kind of. And, and the reality is um, there's still going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of babies die, whatever the Supreme Court does. Wow. And the answer is to fight it at the state and local level, to fight it one soul at a time, one individual at a time. And what we're doing at personhood is to establish the rights of the preborn at the most local level, and to develop a culture of life around that through our Safe City program and things like that. And I would just encourage, you know, us to kind of rethink things mm-hmm. in, that, in that direction. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that. And I have this political uh, story in front of me, and one of the things that says since uh, the Mississippi ban on virtually all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancies was enacted in 2018, it has been blocked by lower courts that have cited Roe's viability standard. Um, most medical experts 
believe viability occurs around 24 weeks of pregnant pregnancy. So even with these bands, you have the lower courts right. who are constantly right. And and that and that's that's why I go back to the first principles mm-hmm. of is this a human being or isn't right? Because viability is a moving target. There's there's all these different things that can be brought up that are completely arbitrary. You know, um, I remember uh, talking to a reporter from. Uh, the BBC one time, and they brought up okay. the viability thing, and she was saying, "Well, you certainly <laughs> wouldn't say a three-week-old fetus is the same as a you know soon-to-be-born baby." They were making the exact same argument. Yeah. Um, and I said, "Of course not." And I wouldn't say that my three-year-old standing here is the same as my five-year-old. If I took my three-year-old out and I left her out in the woods, mm-hmm. she wouldn't survive. She's not viable on her own mm-hmm. where my teenager might, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean she has less worth. That's that doesn't right. mean. Right. And in fact, a just society, it's the most vulnerable and the least viable. that get the most protection, not the other way around. Wow. And see, that's the thing I, you know, I was reading uh, again in this story, even with, with the bands, it was saying that, that states have been doing this in hopes that they would trigger some type of Supreme court, uh, uh, you know, opportunity. Right. So, do you think? Do you think? Um, it, well, does it surprise you that the Supreme Court even is getting this close to this? Well, I mean, I, I don't know that they're getting close as much as they are wanting to kind of take a position. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing we need to talk about is is the actual makeup of the court. We just yeah. assume, you know, hey, you know, there's well, six Republican <laughs> appointees and three Democrat right, appointees. Right. When Roe versus Wade was enacted <laughs> or passed, yeah, uh, or uh, uh, the, the decision opinion was, was, the, was when, given. The, when yeah. the opinion was rendered. Yeah. Um, it was a majority of Republican appointees. Yeah. When and a majority of Republicans voted for it. Yeah, when Casey versus Planned Parenthood, or Planned Parenthood versus Casey, rather affirmed Roe, mm-hmm. it was a supermajority mm-hmm. on the Supreme Court of Republican appointees, and the one Democrat was. So, I mean, I think at best we can say we've got three "quote unquote" solid votes: Thomas, Alito. And probably Barrett, and then you've got probably. three. You've got three liberals, <laughs> yeah. and then you've got three wild cards. So there's no guarantee. Yeah. Um, so even if even if you accept the premise, mm-hmm. which I don't, mm-hmm. that Supreme Court decisions are law that are binding on all fifty states at all times, and that they can say, "Hey, you can kill a two week old, or you can kill a two year old, or you can mm-hmm. kill a Jew," or uh, and all of a sudden it becomes the law of the land. Even if you accept that premise. There's no guarantee that this court is going to do it, and more, and and even more so, um, this court case does not deal with the root issue at row, and that is the issue of personhood. Yeah, yeah, and well, I, I think for a lot of people, this is going to be for them like show and tell time if, if to see, and and if you go by track record, is is for me, is I'm not too optimistic because right. it seems like you know you have justices and, and people, even the ones that go to D.C start off conservative right. and then they begin to lean to the other side, but you never have that happen on the other side. Right. Like they right. never lean to the right, right, you know? And so I think this is going to be a show and tell for, for a lot of people. Well, well, if you, if you think about it, a lot of these guys when they, and, and girls or ladies rather, when they get nominated to the Supreme court or when they get nominated to a federal court, mm-hmm. they start getting pressed on this. Yes. And they try to hedge <laughs> their bets. Yeah. You know, they, they quote uh, stare decisis, and they quote, right. you know, well, you know, Rose established, but you know, they kind of, they kind of, and and I think of what Jeremiah twelve five says: if you falter in the day of the footman, 
Mm. What will you do when the horseman comes? <laughs> and so if, you, if you're being coy and ambiguous when you're asked the simple questions or when you're serving in a lower court, yeah, we don't have a lot of reason to think when the stakes are much higher that you're going to take a stand. That's true. And even this, this story here um, said that about Barrett, that she sidestepped the question during her confirmation hearings about whether she would rule against Roe. But she offered, uh, she offered she does not consider the decision a super precedent that the court could never overturn. So I think there's some hope right, there. But right. then, you know, it's, it's what you're talking about. It's kind of playing both sides it, a little it, bit. It's you know? not letting your yay be yay or yeah. yay be yay, is it? Yeah, not well, at all. Well, and, and I think the thing is, I, I don't want to come off as overly, like, negative about everything. Right, right. But, but I mean, I, I think the, the point is that even if – the pro-life industry gets what they've been working for for years. Yeah. And Roe is overturned. Yeah. That doesn't mean the battle's over. It's really just starting. Mm. So what do you mean by that? Like, how is it just starting well, well, if I mean, we get this there, overturned? There are, well, first of all, you're going to have congressional efforts to codify Roe. Yeah. You're going to have efforts in a lot of liberal states. You're yeah. going to have lawsuits. And, and like in Mississippi, if the 15-week ban passes, there's still going to be children killed every week but you still would have this behemoth of road that's been sitting there right overturned that, that's a huge win, right, it, right? It, yeah it, it is a it could be a major political victory but it also <laughs> could be counterproductive in it okay. that causes the church to just go back to sleep and say yeah oh we won yeah you know oh, there aren't any more abortions didn't you hear what the supreme court did yeah and so even even if the court rules that roe has to be overturned You've still got to fight the battle in every state and every county across the nation. Okay, so outside of D.C. and, and even the political arena, let's talk about the church. What should we uh, be doing right now as the people of God, you know, concerning uh, the life issue? Well, I mean, I, I, think there's, I think there's tons we should do. One, um, you know, you should be going to the abortion clinics. Okay. You know, if you're in a city that has one, if you're near a city that has one, you should be going out and speaking, reaching out. Um, you know, the church needs to, to speak definitively on these issues to mm-hmm. their congregation and in their communities. Um, you know, the church, local people can get involved in personhood safe city initiatives where we ask people to have their cities and their counties enact legislation that rec- or uh, resolutions and eventually ordinances that recognize the person to the unborn and protect children in that community mm-hmm. um, from things like chemical abortion, from the over-the-counter uh, abortion, border yeah. facings, and things like that. But then, more importantly, the real call is what widows and orphans, right? Mm. You yeah. know, the, the the church has the calling mm-hmm. to replace replace the usurping government in the role of charity. Yeah, you know, um, there yeah, are yeah. there are women in your community, there are children in your community that need help, and if every church, if every Christian would determine that we're going to step up, we're going to speak, we're going to serve. Mm. That's when the banner is won. And and we've also got to repent of our view of children, don't we? Yeah. No, you're right about that. I think that that plays into the whole mindset that we have about this this whole issue, how how we see children. And I, after the break, I want to talk to you more about the church because, you know, churches may, may feel like, okay, what can we, like, how does that look? Like, what do I, okay, go to abortion, a clinic and, and maybe you know counsel on the sidewalk but what else what what else should we be doing you know and i think a lot of people have a question about what should i do you know personally uh to to make a dent in this issue right. and so we'll talk more about that this is aaron addison's here on american family radio we'll be back right after this
hook on flesh Fullness of God in hell Let's obey This gift of love And righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to say To long back This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio My guest today is Brother Les Raleigh, we're talking about uh, pro-life issues. Um, you know, there was a time when I was, it wasn't too long ago, when I kind of looked at even the term pro-life and like, ah, I don't, I don't know about that. I feel like, you know, we should be more of abolitionists. <laughs> you know, we should uh, look towards seeing this whole thing just undone, you know. Um, but then there'll, there'll be a lot of people that will say, man, but we are making strides. Things are happening, you know, even if it's like, in, in short spurts, but man, with a with an issue like this, it seems like we need to really press into the heart of God and, and see, you know, what does He say about this issue, you know? And when we talking when we're talking about uh, innocent blood, you know, lives, you know, being snuffed out, man, even before they have a chance, uh, it's 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 horrendous. It's wow. horrendous. And I think when you talked about before before the break, just our our outlook on. Uh, uh, family and children, that has to be something that, that changed within the church too, right? Right. Yeah, I remember um, going to, uh, uh, I was in an abortion clinic probably 30 years ago, and a guy told me that uh, he didn't think that God was going to change the world's view on abortion until the church changed her view on children. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I think the way we view children, the way we view children as a blessing or a burden cost um really speaks a lot about mm-hmm. you know how we how we truly view this issue yeah um and and it's not just i mean it's not just hey let's go out and have all the kids we can have right. because you know some people are blessed with one child mm-hmm. that that's what the lord gives them that's but right. it's just rethinking the way we think of children and possessions and things like that all together yeah and 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 not just children that we have biologically yeah you know um if you look at the Old and New Testament, what do you see again and again and again? Widows and orphans, widows and orphans, widows and orphans. Yeah. In fact, what does James say true religion is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking care of widows and, widows and orphans. And so, um, you know, I, I, I remember Francis Schaeffer saying every abortion clinic in America should have a sign over the door that says opened by the permission of the churches in this community. Wow. And and I, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think about, we're talking about what we can do and I do want to talk about person at Safe Cities Initiative yeah. before we leave, but, but one thing I was thinking about is, as you mentioned off the air, that uh, that Abe was in Virginia at a meeting. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a friend who pastors a church in uh, southwest Virginia mm-hmm. and a uh, uh, real gospel-oriented church, and they were supporting a pregnancy center. And um, he emailed me one day and said, or texted me one day and said, hey, there's a building next to Planned Parenthood in the town about an hour away available for sale. Mm-hmm. You think we could raise the money to buy it? And I said, "Yeah, call me. We'll, you know, we'll come up with something." And before he called me, people in their church had given the money to buy it. Wow! And and that church bought that building. Yeah. And they're putting a clinic in there, and they've got people from their church going. To, and I, I think I think a lot of it, and whether it's that or taking in foster kids or helping a mom, a lot of it's availability and desire, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
the things you want, yeah. you ask you, God for. Right. You say, God, you know, open the door for me to get that car. Sometimes you just make that, it happen. That job I need. And, you're, right. you know, you're looking online and yeah. you're saying, hey, what kind of job can I get? And, right. and this is a really nice house I want. Well, well if, if we would think of ministry opportunities that way. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing the doors God will open just from us being available and willing and having desire, isn't it? Man, that's, that's awesome. And I know— you know, there, there are many ways, like you said, that the church can be uh, involved. Uh, one thing I used to always say, and I, and I still uh, believe this, that, you know, there are pregnancy, uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, every church should either support one or have one. Mm-hmm. Like my church back in New Orleans, the church I grew up in, uh, we had a crisis pregnancy center. And, and as a young man, I didn't really understand what it was, I, I you know, but it was just awesome that. I saw that there as a teenager, as a young man, that we had that to reach out, you know, uh, to, to the women in that area. Well, well you know, I, I go to church in New Albany, mm-hmm. Mississippi, with the road here, and um, there's a good pregnancy center in town, and, you know, and, and I'm involved with it several, you know, and we're doing a good work. Yeah. And New Albany, praise the Lord, has a, or Union County has a pretty low abortion rate. Mm-hmm. Two counties over in Holly Springs, Marshall County, has the second highest abortion rate in the Memphis metro area. Wow. And uh, one of my elders and I and several of us have been talking and praying for years about, you know, needing to needing to open a pregnancy center there and needing mm-hmm. to. And um, just a few weeks ago, just out of the blue, um, somebody called and said, hey, you know, this, this OB doctor has got some equipment <laughs> that he wants to donate, everything, ultrasound machines, wow. equipment, things like that. And then somebody donated some money last week. And so, again, it, it's just a matter of, the things that you, if you're asking God, what does um, uh, what does James say? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, mm. and and if if you if you want something, you're going to be asking for it. Mm. But but I, I don't necessarily think that means Lord, give me that new Cadillac, <laughs> right? You know, right, right. Um, but but I do think if we're praying for and looking for opportunities, the Lord will provide them. Yeah, another another huge opportunity is uh, adoption. Right. You know, we see that all throughout the scripture. Right. You know, we've yeah. been adopted. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And something that the Lord moved upon our heart and our local assembly to do was to have a, a adoption mission fund. Yeah. You know, what a church give to this fund. And then when there are families who have a heart for adoption, we try to help them out financially because it's way more expensive to adopt than it is to have but, an abortion. And, and, if, and, and I think that's I think it's wonderful your church is doing that. I think you remember a couple of weeks ago I texted you some news about one of the big formerly Christian pregnancies, yeah. I mean, uh, adoption agencies yeah, yeah. that had initially um, <laughs> compromised on the LGBT issue. Yeah, we've talked about and, it on this and, show, too. And now they're compromising and saying, well, we don't necessarily think we want to place uh, babies with <laughs> a little bit more melanin in their skin <laughs> like you have yeah. with families like mine yeah. or vice versa. And, and, of course, that's racist to its core, but <laughs> it points to the need of the church needing to step up and yeah. say, Adoption ministry, foster care ministry, single mothers, human trafficking, abortion clinic—that's our job. Yeah, it's not the state, it's yeah. not the parachurch, it's the church's job. So, if the church in this country had a, a, a one mindset in that way and did all those different things, begin to turn away from you know somebody else is going to do this to right. we to, to we are going to do it, how fast do you think that would change things? Well, I mean, <laughs> if it, it was if it was centered by and driven by the gospel, yeah. I, I think it changed. Because the thing is, if if the gospel is at the core of it, yeah, and the goal is regeneration yeah. and complete restoration, what ends up happening is you help that one mom mm-hmm. 
mm. and you're impacting generations and mm. you're impacting their circle. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I mean, ultimately, adoption is is um, part part of a broken world, but we want to see families restored. Yeah. You know, we we want to see the numbers of children in foster care go down, number one, because Christians are taking them in, mm. but number two, because families are restored and, and people are brought to faith in Christ and yeah. and families are made new. But, you know, I, I, I remember you were talking about each church. Uh, and back during the personhood campaign in 2011, there was a stat I used to throw around, and it was kind of raw numbers, but I would say there's roughly 3,000 Bible-believing churches in Mississippi. Mm. There's 3,000 children in foster care. There's 3,000 abortions here at that time. Mm. Those numbers are an offense to God. Man. But but the really sad thing is the uh, foster care numbers are probably double now. Man. Wow. So, you know, I mean, one thing is, you know, every church should be asking us, how many kids are in foster care in our community? Yeah. How could we get involved? And and I, I think the I think the thing about it is um is make your make your kingdom ambition mm-hmm. She, as big as the promises of God, but as small as how personal God is. Mm. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, hey, you know, we're going to go start a huge adoption ministry, which mm-hmm. would be great for some churches. Mm-hmm. But how about, you know, we're going to have one or two families take care of one or two kids and invest their life in them. Yeah, you yeah, know? all of that Because matters. that's what that's what Jesus does with us, isn't it? That's right, that's right. You mentioned uh, fostering. You know, I had uh, a brother tell me that they were looking into doing foster uh, care, but they were told that their family is too big. Yeah. You know, yeah, there, it seems like a, there's all kind of things to, to go against yeah, with, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, when I, there's a lot of problems with that system. <laughs> there's a lot of things that makes it difficult for particularly Christian families. Yeah. But that's just another area that we need to be pushing against, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. why don't, why, are, why aren't we <laughs> on the front lines of reforming those laws just like we are tax law? Yeah. You know, well, why, you're right. why, are, you're why right. are we concerned about you know, something going on in a foreign mm-hmm. country and worried about foreign policy, and we've got laws like that in our own backyard that we yeah. might need to be fighting against. Yeah, you're right. I want you to tell tell, tell us about the initiatives you're doing here yeah. the Safe City. Yeah, so it, you mentioned at the beginning that I that I work with the Personal Alliance, mm-hmm. and, and we've started an initiative a couple of years ago, um, and it's called the Safe Cities and Safe Counties Initiative. Mm-hmm. And basically, you can look at our website, personhood.org, I think it's personhood.org safe cities mm-hmm. or slash safe cities. But okay. if you get to the website, you can find it. But basically, it's the three-step process where we encourage people to get involved in their local communities. And step one is to try to get your county commission or your city council to pass and just simple ordinance recognizing the humanity of the unborn and saying Roe was, you know, person abortion shouldn't be legal. We, mm-hmm. we in this city commit to doing everything we can. Step two is the big one. That's where you take that resolution and use it to educate and equip the churches and families in that community, the businesses in that community to stand so that when step three comes and counties and cities start passing ordinances with teeth mm-hmm. and electing people and sending them to the state legislature to say, we don't really care what the Supreme Court says. We don't really care what the federal government says. Mm-hmm. We are going to interpose on behalf of the Help, most helpless in our society yeah. and if you if when they do that see if you remember what happened with roy moore and with kim yeah. um the uh, the lady in kentucky that wouldn't issue marriage license oh yeah you know, yeah basically yeah. we have yeah. a, a magistrate step out there and and do the right thing mm-hmm. and they get crucified and their feet get kind of because nobody's standing with them yeah but if you do it at the community level and you build that support under them mm-hmm. then 
you know, that politician knows that he's got 3,000 voters in his backyard wanting him to do this. Mm. And so it's just a whole reorienting things to doing things from the bottom up. And we've actually got 11 cities, two counties in Mississippi that have passed this. We've got a city in Alabama that's passed. We've got two counties in North Carolina and towns all over the country and counties are contacting us and saying, how do we do this? And, and the great, wow. the thing I love about it is normally if you're, involved at the pro-life organization, they say, hey, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. You know, what you get is like a top-down, you know, just like here's how you do it. This is completely grassroots driven by people who are stirred to do something at the local level, and all we're there for is just to provide them the the resources. So these cities are saying that this is not going to happen within our city, within our county. We are... Man, that, that's that's awesome. I, I, I don't know what others may do, for, but as for me and my city, <laughs> yeah, we will serve the Lord. And so what what do you say to people? Well, apparently, you know, to have 11 within, you say, Mississippi? Mm-hmm. So because I, I, w- I would think some people would say, well, we don't have that big of a problem here. We don't have that many abortion clinics. So, like, why do we need to have things like this going well, on? Well, I mean, I, I would say for one thing, it's, it's a matter of, you know, our and that's why step two is so essential because yeah, our pro-life churches. convictions tend to be a mile wide and an inch deep in this country. Yeah. And even in, here in the Bible Belt, even here in Mississippi, as we saw with the personhood amendment, the vast majority of people call themselves pro-life. Yeah. But when they got a chance to vote on the humanity of the unborn and they yeah. were saying, yeah, but what about this and what about that and yeah. what about that? Um, they didn't have the conviction to answer that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of this is educating people at the local level, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, the bigger thing is, you know, we say we don't have a problem here, but it's not just Jackson Women's Health Organization, Planned Parenthood doing abortions. You can go down to Walgreens and get an abortion. Mm. And there's a lot more chemical abortions done in these communities than people think. Wow. And so I, I think that I, I think that the need wow. is more, you know, uh, I, I remember, um, and let me, let me leave you with some hope because I yeah. know we're getting close. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of uh, a quote my pastor mentioned a while back that Amy Carmichael, the, the missionary mm-hmm. to India, said when she got to India, um, she said that uh, she recognized the temple prostitution, found out what was going on. They started recognizing some of these girls. And she said this child prostitution was so pervasive and it was so widely accepted in society that it was an evil that would blot out the sun. Mm. But here's, here's the exciting thing. They never, Christians never became a majority in India or haven't yet. Mm-hmm. They didn't get control of government. They didn't get control of media. They didn't have millions of dollars. But temple prostitution has been made illegal in India, and it's <laughs> not acceptable anymore. Wow. And so what is necessary is not for the Supreme Court to rule in our favor. All that would be nice. Yeah. Not yeah. To, for politics, but for the church of Jesus Christ to be faithful yeah. and trust that the Lord is going to bless their efforts. Amen. Amen. Give that website again for the. It's, it's personhood.org. Personhood.org. This is something to be involved in. And I know as a Christian, you know, sometimes we look at these issues and they seem so huge. You're like, what can little old me do? Well, right here, you had some examples of what we can do and what we should do as the body of Christ because it's much more important what the church does on this issue than right. what Washington, D.C. Right. may do. Ah, great show. Thank you so much, Les, for being with me. Always enjoy it. This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Awesome time. Uh, Remember, you can go to AFA.net and search for events for the uh, Men of Honor thing happening in June, starting June 8th. It's going to be every Tuesday for a couple months. And also uh, make sure, make sure that you pray about 
how you can uh, be a part of of this life issue what should your church be doing what should you be doing because we we all have a part to play Aaron Addison's here in American Family Radio Wednesdays Wednesdays with Will we'll be back tomorrow